Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening from. Welcome back to Sophie's Stories, the podcast bringing you original handcrafted stories right into your ear holes. If you're in the UK, happy summer. It finally came around. I hope you had a nice couple of days before autumn runs around again. And to anyone not listening from the UK, congratulations quite frankly, and that was all I (laughs) have to say about that. We have been enjoying some spectacular weather of late, but I am not here to talk to you about the weather, far from it. I'm here to talk about a banned book. Now, if you've noticed, I'm nearing the end of my series story. If I could speak, that'd be great. I'm nearing the end of my series story six. I'm still fine-tuning it and hoping to finish it next week with an absolute bang. So, for now, I'm bringing you some more of these episodes to tide you over. So, thank you for your patience. Today, we have a super exciting book. So-called Boy, written by a man named James Hanley. In the true spirit of investigating explosive incidents of censorship inflicted upon the British public by various sources, this episode is no different. Now, at some point in the future, I'm going to have to start in other countries, but for now, we are still firmly in the UK. And don't worry, we have lots of cases of this. (laughs) Anyway, back to the book. I will give you a quick rundown on what we'll be discussing today and then we'll get right into the story. Inevitably ending with the court case and reinstating of this particular piece of literature. So I'm going to say a sweet goodbye to this crazy long intro and go right into the story. I hope you enjoy. Hey there guys, me again. Um, I've just finished editing this podcast and um, I just want to pop in a little disclaimer here um, that this episode does um, cover, you know, topics of abuse, sexual abuse um, and where it concerns children. So please keep that in mind as you're going through the episode um, as it may cause distress to some members of the audience. So if you're not in that, that, that today, then um, you can skip this episode or you can um, head back on over to my channel and listen to one of my other podcast stories. I always put a disclaimer at the start so you'll know whether or not it's for you. But sorry to interrupt and I will let myself continue. (laughs) So, as I said, the book we'll be discussing today is named Boy by James Hanley. It was, in fact, James Hanley's second novel. His first novel was named Drift. Also an interesting story if you'd like to look it up, but that's not what we'll be covering today. So Boy was first published in the year 1931. It is a decidedly dark story about the short and tormented life of a 13-year-old boy, hence the name healing from Liverpool. A particular facet of this story which is worth highlighting at this point is that the book was a decidedly honest review of abuse. 
It told a story of an overly aggressive and abusive father and a mouse-like mother who wasn't able to stand up to the father, sadly. So it's also interesting to think about the vilification of strong father figures that were painted in this book in the time when men had a distinct level of status in society. And why, possibly, governing bodies may not have wanted messages like this being perpetuated in the mainstream media. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we go through this episode. But for now, lovely listeners, let's dive into the writer's life. Buckle in. Let's have a look into the writer's rather interesting life up until the fateful year of 1934. And I'll tell you why I've said 1934 in a little while. So... James Hanley was born in September of 1897. He was from Kirkdale in Liverpool and was of Irish descent. Same James, same. We could have told by the first name, to be honest. His family were working class and his family are often referred to in many sources as seafaring. Now, I didn't know what it meant, so I looked it up for you. In stark contrast to what it actually sounds like, it means that you travel by sea regularly, seafearing. So kind of like the term God-fearing, I guess. Now, James spent two years actually at sea during World War One. He grew up living close to the docks and his father had worked on boats as well. However, in April of 1917, James literally jumped ship and ended up in Canada, where he joined the Canadian Army for a little while. He fought in France in 1918, but was very quickly excused due to an injury. From there, he went on to work on the railroads. Now, at this time, James took a very particular direction in his life, where he decided, and I quote, to a prodigious range of autodidactic, high cultural activities, learning the piano, regularly attending concerts, reading voraciously, and above all, writing, end quote. Love that for him. He's all about self-improvement. So you go you, James. (laughs) Now, in these 10 years between him being excused from the Canadian Army and publishing his first book named Drift in 1930, there was not much to note. And I do not want to bore you. I'm sure you can imagine and I hope you can what he was getting up to in those 10 years. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit here. However, The one thing we do know from this period is that he did move from wherever he was working on the railroads in Canada back to Liverpool and then subsequently moved to North Wales in 1931. This is where he met Dorothy Enid Timothy Thomas, who was, interestingly, a descendant of Lincolnshire nobility. In another interesting move for the time, 
the couple lived together, had a child, and then got married in that order. So it's kind of curious. They lived a sort of um, off the grid, not subscribing to um, regular societal and cultural expectations of the time. They decided to do it the way they wanted to do it. Um, so that was an interesting little tidbit about the both of them. It's even more curious as well that she was part of nobility and they managed to do things in that order. So it's very interesting. <clears throat> now, unfortunately, as we know, the Second World War was looming, which eventually came in September of 1939, for reference. In 1937, he did write an autobiographical work which was renowned amongst critics and readers for being a venture of imagination let's say and it did not really reflect the realities of his life up until this point so it's curious that people know what his life had entailed up until then and they were just not having any of his imaginative spin on his autobiography. Um, so in the 1930s and 1940s, his novels were generally, his, his fiction novels were generally related to mariners in contrast to his autobiography of which he only ever did one. Um, yep, his novels were generally related to mariners and the sea as a general theme which swiftly changed, interestingly, after World War II. James's novels were a constant subject of praise amongst his many works. However, they didn't sell well at all. I could only imagine that this was because of the niche nature of his works at the time. I can imagine if you hadn't experienced a so-called sea-fearing life like him and his family had, you may not understand or even care, especially if you've got your own stuff going on. So I can only imagine that's why, but just a theory. Let me know what your theories are. Now, James did a small stint writing plays for the BBC, who, in case you didn't know, up until about 1970, wrote and also performed classic plays on the television in their purest form. James did write plays for them up until the early 1970s, creating works in various mediums from radio to television and also stage productions. So he was a very talented man to be able to adapt his talents to all the various forms that he embarked upon. In 1970, he resumed his work writing novels and his final novel, named A Kingdom, was published in 1978 when he was 80 years old. That is some age to be writing novels, but you know, each to their own. Look, to be honest, if I'm strapped to my armchair reading and watching the TV at 80, I will be more than happy, I can tell you that right now. Um, I'm not sure how many novels I'm going to be writing and uh, subsequently producing when I'm 80. So good on him. He kept it going right to the end. He, he committed and he committed with full force. Um, so good for him. Okay, so now we've gone into James's very colourful life. 
um, I'd like to invite you all to gather around and now I'm going to tell you about the content of the book that so swayed the population, most noticeably amongst the population, certain judges, so that we can have a deeper look into the content that was considered appropriate to censor. Before I go into this pretty deep story, I'd like to make another point here and leave it for us to remember as we go through it. And that is, I'd like you to think about what the worst video is that you've watched this week. What's the worst story you've heard? Obviously, this will be different for everyone for lots of different reasons. And I'm not looking for you to go too deep here, but I'm just talking about purely the darkest thing that you've seen this week while you're scrolling or surfing the web. Because I know you've seen one or maybe a few, as I have. And it's important for us to note this so that we can notice the context as we go forward discussing the content of this book. Very important before I continue, there is a trigger warning for abuse um, and abuse where it concerns children. I know I said at the start, but I just want to say it again, this is the part that I'm going to go into it. So if you're not in the mood, then please skip ahead and um, I'll let you know when the trial is about to start. So the book Boy that was originally published in 1931 concerned a young boy, only 13 years old, so very, very young. And the book follows his short and very depressing life story. In the next portion, I'm going to say as much of this as I can without going into unnecessary detail. Um, so please bear with me and I'm sure you can infer some meaning by the things I'm going to say anyway. I just don't care to go into it too deeply. <clears throat> so the main character's name was Fearon, spelt F-E-A-R-O-N, Fearon. And when I was researching the book and what happened with it, I looked up the various meanings of the name because I've never heard of it. So historically, the name meant blacksmith. So a pretty grim and heavy job itself. And interesting because the main character, Fearon, is forced to leave school and his education by his parents to go to work, where he worked as a boiler scaler. Um, and this was at the docks. So um, the man's father had worked um, in the docks and so did he, um, or they forced him to go and do that. Um, so just to add a bit of colour here as well for the term boiler scaler, um, because quite frankly, I needed to check. I had no idea <laughs> what this meant. So I'll tell you what it is and then we'll carry on. Um, just in case, because my accent probably isn't translating great when I say boiler scaler. So um, unless I go really Scottish, then you can probably hear me. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you what this is and then it'll give you an idea of what um, Fearon, the main character, was doing. So, quote, boiler scale is a mixture of several minerals which settle on the walls of pipes or containers where hard water is being heated. 
So we can only end quote. So we can only assume from this quote that this job entailed literally just chipping off clumps of scale that accumulated on pipes. Um, so it's a pretty physical, pretty laborious, and probably quite soul destroying job, um, and and certainly labour intensive for sure. So that's what little Fearon was doing as a job there for a little while, before his fictive life became all too much, as he was also being beaten by his father on top of being forced to leave. Um, school to go and work um, he was being heavily abused by his father so he decided to escape and stow away on a boat and to be honest he had an even more hideous time on the boat where he experienced some disgusting crimes against children and all sorts of other forms of abuse before being let off in Egypt and having his first, quote, experience, unquote, with a woman. Unfortunately, during this experience, he contracted a disease which at the time was fatal and certainly was fatal in this context because he didn't have access to um, proper medical care and certainly not medicine that would um, be able to cure or treat this disease. Um, so after that experience, he became incredibly sick um, on the boat home from Egypt. And then the captain of the boat, who knew the little boy, took it upon himself to, in an act of kindness for Fearon, end his life so that he wouldn't suffer any longer before returning his body to the sea. Um, I can only imagine he did that because I'm pretty sure there's some fables amongst um, seafaring folk where um, it's really bad luck to have uh, dead bodies on the ship. Um, so who knows, but they certainly didn't take his body back. So Furon came to a really tragic end after a lifetime of horrific experiences and just constant abuse. So as you can see, it, it was a, a really sad story. But even though it's sad, it is fiction. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, maybe this exact thing has happened to a real life person. Um, but it, it is still fiction. It, it wasn't an autobiography or anything like that. And personally, I do believe that first-person accounts, even first-person accounts where they are fiction, are important as they exist as part of our collective narrative. And by silencing these voices, we are, to some extent, silencing the collective. Um, and that's really important to remember um, when we're talking about censorship or anything like that, sanitization. It's important to remember that fiction, especially when read by someone else who maybe didn't experience that or maybe did, um, is a super important part of our development as humans, whereby we farm our empathy from understanding things from other people's point of view 
So in this case, I would argue it's even more important to have things like this in um, in production and available for people to read. So whew, I'm going to breathe out after telling that story because it was pretty rough. Um, and I want to give you guys five seconds too because it is a little bit of a rough story. Um, and let's not live in that place, but it was important that um, I told you all the history of that and what happened in the story because the content is what caused the book to be censored in the first place. So I'm going to go and deal with my hay fever for five seconds, as I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Um, I'll give you a little five second break and we will go into my always favorite part of these episodes where we discuss the trial. So I'll see you in a sec. Alrighty, here we are. We have arrived at our destination. Clearly my favourite destination. I uh, don't know how you guys feel about that, but here we go. Um, before I jump into the actual trial itself, let's take a quick second to talk about the reception that James Hanley's book, Boy, received when it was released. I'll give you a yin and yang, so there's two perspectives here. Now, one particular novelist by the name of Hugh Walpole said the following about James Hanley's book. Quote, A novel that is so unpleasant and ugly, both in narration and in incident, that I wonder the printers did not go on strike while printing it. End quote. So clearly Hugh didn't think much of it. <laughs> However, I did take a little look into his works and I like to think I'm at least familiar with some great literary works and I haven't read nor heard of any of his pieces. Not to say they weren't great, but we should possibly note this um, and his lack of traction himself when it comes to this particular review. He was possibly jumping on the bandwagon. Nowadays, we would say clout. I sound like a 90-year-old saying this, and I'm only 27. <laughs> but, you know, uh, possibly he was writing reviews about this book because he wanted to bring attention to his own works that weren't um, tackling such difficult topics. Although I will correct myself and note and say that he did write some novels about um, serial killers and he did write some thrillers. So... I, I'm just censoring myself too. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to give you a balanced view and you know I get passionate at this point in all of these episodes. So I will continue on. Um, <laughs> in complete contrast, another of his peers by the name of T.E. Lawrence, who may have been better known in the past as, quote, Lawrence of Arabia, end quote, who by the way, had an extremely interesting life. And I would definitely suggest if you're into history to go and look him up. As always, I've left the links below. You can have a look into him. Um, he was a very well-known archaeologist um, and he wrote a lot of research works and things like that as well. So um, you can go and have a look at his life, but his life was crazy. I've left the link below. Anyway, you can go You can go and have a little look. I'm not going to go into him now, but I'm just making a note for yourself. If you like history, go and have a look at him. Um, now, he said this on the book, 
boy. Open quote. Your character drawing is superb. Here and in Boy and The Last Voyage and Drift. You can draw characters as and when you please with an almost blistering vividness, end quote. So he was saying um, the character drawing was amazing in the book Boy, which is the one we're discussing. Um, he had another book called The Last Voyage and his first book was named Drift, like I mentioned earlier. So he was just going through all of his books. Um, although I will just make a slight note here that... Um, he did only say this to James Hanley, directly to James Hanley in a private letter. He wasn't going about saying it in public. But it's it's interesting to note that the true um, reception of this book by certainly some individuals was positive um, just because of James Hanley's talent for writing. So, um, as I said, the actual book itself was first published um, in 1931 by a publishing house named Boriswood, which was a small publishing house that was active from 1931 to 1938. Hanley's book was one of the first books that they had published. However, as we know, this didn't go so well. And after several editions had been published from 1931 to 1934, the publisher Boris Wood were prosecuted for obscene libel and they were heavily, heavily fined. So just a quick reminder of obscene libel so we know going forward, quote, Obscene libel is a type of written or visual defamation that is so sexually explicit or offensive that it shocks the public's sense of decency. It is a crime to publish obscene libel with the intent to corrupt or deprave those who are susceptible to immoral influences. A close quote. Um... I will just know at this juncture that um, I will decide what <laughs> I think is a corrupting or has includes depravity in my life um, and, and not many other people will decide that for me unless we happen to agree on the same topic. Um, but anyway, I'm just going to carry on. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I am battling the hay fever right now. <clears throat> Excuse me for one sec. Okay, so... Um, Boris Wood were then prosecuted in 1935. They were advised to plead guilty to this charge and they did, leading them to incur a considerable fine. Now, as you can imagine, the charges and fines together with the controversy that the book had demanded Boriswood were forced to close their doors and any remaining stock they owned were purchased by Greenwood, another publishing company. However, the copies remaining of Boy by James Hanley were purchased by Obelisk Press. Later on, it was published by Penguin in the year 1990, which included a foreword from Anthony Burgess.
Now, as you know, if you've been listening for a little while, I always try to bring these episodes to some kind of conclusion, as I do believe that most works, excluding anything that is written to hate or diminish or cause pain to others, excluding all that stuff, deserves to exist in our world. And the only conclusion I've managed to come to through writing this particular episode is that James Hanley clearly had a talent to write human beings and all their infinite complexities in such a compelling manner that the readers who came across this book and its dark themes and instances could only come to one conclusion themselves. And that was that the ugliness, the graphic nature and topics covered therein could only serve as a mirror to their real lives. And at the time, that was far too scary. But let's not leave this episode there. It's important that we keep these stories alive. I think stories are how we survive and we survive together as a whole. So I, for one, will continue to bring you stories as much as I can And I hope you and yours are safe and well all the while. As I always say, I appreciate every single listener here on this podcast. So thank you for spending your time with me today. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Sophie Stories Podcast. And all of my other episodes are available to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Deezer. I hope you all have an absolutely awesome week and as always stay curious bye guys